We're basically like a quartet now, just snapping. <laughs> Anyhow. Welcome to, um, uh, shit, what's the name of our podcast? <laughs> We're um, we're we're professionals here. Oh um, Jesus! Uh, it's it's an early recording, so you know. Yeah, June June looks like an anime character right now. <laughs> <laughs> Carolina calls me Jack. Carolina calls me a Super Saiyan sometimes when my hair gets crazy. <laughs> Welcome to Overanalyze, everyone. We'll start off with uh, a listener question. Alec, you want to ask this one? Yeah. So uh, Brent asks, listener Brent asks from uh, Parts Unknown. So question for June. If he's wearing his Apple Watch in the shower, when does he charge it? So um, I feel like Brent might be like asking for something more specific or some other scenario because i mean if he's just wondering when i charge my apple watch it's definitely at night so you don't wear the sleep track no which i'm starting to like maybe think about doing that more only because i got carolina a um, apple watch for christmas and she is now wearing it through the night because she's used to wearing a fitbit that lasts for like you know a week so she would wear the fitbit at night and it would do all the sleep tracking and all the stuff so um, she wants to do the same with her Apple Watch, and I get that. Uh, but as you guys know, or maybe don't know, Apple Watch battery life really pales in comparison to um, other smart devices uh, or activity trackers, I should say. So she's, uh, I know with the Apple Watch, you do need a separate app for just doing the tracking. It does, mm-hmm. I, I think the tracker can basically export the health data like sleep data and all that stuff into your health app and the health database basically in your iphone which Mm -hmm. is tied to your icloud account so that is kind of nice that you can you can get all of that data into the into uh your phone into icloud which is neat and i just don't have a method a reliable method right now of charging my watch when i'm not asleep I mean, I know, like, I'm kind of curious how you do it, Alec, because I know that's something you do. You charge yeah. your watch at work, but then uh, you keep losing. No, I don't. Me. I don't you I keep don't losing to me work. in uh, in our comp- competitions because you're not wearing your. No, watch. I actually, I don't charge it at work. <laughs> My strategy is I take it off when I'm getting like taking a shower, and then like I would say most of the time these days I shower in the evening, so I just keep it off because I usually shower like literally right before bed, and then I keep it off, and I usually will not go to sleep immediately because I have horrible sleep hygiene and then I'll put it on and sleep with it. And then when I wake up in the morning, I take it off again while I'm getting ready and it charges the rest of the way. But usually I don't even have to do that. Sometimes I don't even bother because with Apple watch series three, at least typically, even with a workout, um, I will only use about 50% of the battery. I could probably go a whole another day, but I just, um, put it on and top it off. Like I don't even really worry if it gets to hundred percent, like 80 is totally fine. But yeah, and I just like live like that and it works pretty well. Like last night, I completely forgot. I just passed out um, to put it back on. So I got no sleep tracking data that night. But um, now it's at 100%, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, the watch is really something that I wish. It, I mean, it's really the only it's the only wearable I actually have, you know, wearable device. And because it's a wearable, I feel like it's kind of the only device that I wish can be charged in a truly inductive like or wirelessly charging method. You know what I mean? Like oh, yeah. it is on my wrist and it can still be charging. That would be fantastic. I would worry about heat. It would have to be a really slow trickle, yeah. trickle charge because it actually yeah. does get pretty warm on the charger. Yeah. Or I don't know, some kind of like kinetic motion charging. Uh, I don't Won't know. work. Yeah, I won't. Won't work. <laughs> you should listen to, uh, I forget what episode it is, but I'll put it in the show notes for sure. The episode of Pragmatic. Uh, where he talks about Apple Watch and if it would be feasible to put like a spinner in it or a sundial or like a rather not a sundial but a solar yeah bits yep, yep. and uh, no not at all <laughs> is the short answer. I mean, I I'm not surprised. I mean, this thing, given all the things that this watch does while it's sitting on my wrist, I would I'm not surprised that the amount of charge needed, the rate of charge to not just like equal the amount of charge consumed, but to actually exceed it, to actually charge it must be like crazy high. It would not be possible, I, I don't think, to be generated by the small little surface area if you're doing solar or 
yeah. or any kind of like you know kinetic kind of charging yeah. that I, yeah there's uh yeah i mean that's not surprising but i i, I believe in technology maybe one day <laughs> well the funny part is like if you think about it it would be still beneficial to have even if it just charged a little bit to give it a little bit longer but it was some the equation was so far off it's it's clearly oh. like not worth it you could put big, more battery in for the space so he was he, he had math to back all this up oh yeah no yeah. this guy's uh, awesome if you've oh, never right. listened to pragmatic He's a amazing. The, the show's pretty much over. He does a couple episodes a year now, but he used to do these shows. Uh, actually, I think he's listened to our show. Believe it or not, he sent me a tweet about it once. He's done all these shows where he like analyzes um, engineering things, um, and he's a very smart engineer. So pretty good, pretty good show. Pragmatic is awesome. Bring it back, John. Bring it back. So, <laughs> anyways, it was really funny. This wasn't a topic until just moments ago. But June mentioned to me, oh, Carolina's really gone off the deep end with the Marie Kondo stuff. And I was like, dude, I came home the other day and Rachel's like, look at your drawers. And everything had been folded <laughs> in, the, in the trifold. It, and she placed vertically. Too. Placed vertically. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Oh, my she, God. Yeah. That's exactly what happened one day when I came home, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, the funny part was that she watched the whole thing and she's like, I like the, the techniques, but man, the folding is too much. I'm not going to do the folding. And she told this to a lot of people because it seems like Marie Kondo is all that people want to talk about anymore. She's like, oh, I'm not going to do the folding, not going to do the folding. And then she did the folding and she's like, honestly, I like that sparked a lot of joy in me. I'm really happy. I just open my drawers sometimes. To <laughs> just look at them. <laughs> just like opening the drawer and go, ah. <laughs> yeah. The, the joy sparklers over 9,000. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's really it's really something else and i'll be honest my drawers look amazing i love it the only thing i wish happened was she did it before i got home from work and the original plan was actually to do it together so i could you know hold each item and and say thank you and get rid of stuff so that didn't happen so i'm still probably gonna go through and probably take out each drawer and like in its folded state determine you know yeah if i want to keep it or not well, I guess um, for people who don't know what this is, it is a uh, it's been a recent Netflix popular Netflix show uh, called Tidying Up by Marie Kondo, who I guess she's an author and she does talks and I don't know like consultations with people who need tidying up, I guess. And and her main thing is trying to trying to keep the things in your life only the things in your life that spark joy. It's like a very simple rule, but um, the actual processes is, um, it's like there are many steps. So I'm kind of curious, like which Mm -hmm. steps you've gone through. um, Because I guess if I remember this correctly, let's see, there, you start with clothes, and then you go clothes are first, right? Then after clothes, it's, oh man, there's paper in there somewhere, but I don't remember the exact steps. I think paper is later. There's kimono, which is like miscellaneous, like kitchen. But there's something between yeah. clothes and kimono. Books. There's books. garage. Bo- yeah, there's books. It's, yeah, it's clothes, books, paper, garage, kimono, and then... Um, sentimental. The s- sentimental items. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I guess, um, right, Carolina has been doing this uh, as well. And I, I try to help, especially with the clothes stuff. Uh, obviously, she's gonna, she's not throwing away my clothes for me. So Rachel picked a few out for me. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't spark joy for her. <laughs> That's all it that matters. <laughs> well, she was like, I never seen you wear it. And I, one of them, it was really hilarious. I was like, Rachel, that is the Steve Jobs sweater she always jokes i have a steve jobs sweater and i'm like no steve jobs never wore anything like that but then the one that she put aside at least like this is what like i've never seen you wear this and like first of all i have because i usually wear it under stuff like i don't wear it usually full stop uh as by itself unless i'm trying to be a meme and uh <laughs> yeah it brings up a good question though of where i remember it's the problem of gifts right and if you're in a relationship and a lot of her shows they're all couples right I, i'm pretty sure mm-hmm. they're all couples how you know what what do you do with gifts especially if the gift was from the other couple like i have clothes from carolina where it sparks it didn't i i didn't really wear it never those. sparked joy yeah, yeah i mean i right you, you know, know it's a hit yeah. or miss when you buy clothes for people with carolina there i, I was kind of like eh, i don't know i mean i don't want to th- put uh, this in the th- you know the donation pile dude i hear she listens to the pod now yeah, she all does over. listen to the pod. She knows. We've talked about this. And, <laughs> okay, okay. and I think ultimately it, it has to be like me. You know, it has to be the person who's 
going through the exercise, and then you have a conversation with the other person. I mean, part of this whole process is sparking these kinds of conversations. It's like, hey, honey, yeah, I know, I know you gave this to me like a while ago, but I don't wear it. This is something I can um, donate and give to someone else who can, who will make more use of it. You know, right? And can spark joy in that other person more than it will for me. Sitting here right now, not doing anything for me. I think I could put it to better use. Basically, I think that's that's fine. We're still, you know, obviously noobs at this thing i was a little frustrated two of the things that rachel pulled out were like two trigger clothes for me um and she's like i've never seen you wearing them I'm like i know i never have worn them and it was because i had subscribed a couple years ago to five four club based on a podcast essentially and i was like you know i could like update my wardrobe i'll have people send me like clothes and every time they sent me stuff i was like i don't like this this doesn't fit my style whatsoever and i, I I don't want to wear it. And like, I put it on and like, it would look weird. Like it just legitimately, I was like, these mm-hmm. are really odd clothes. I would never choose them for myself and I would never even want to wear them. So I was like, Oh, maybe one day I'll like come around to them. Maybe one day I'll like them. So I've kept them for a while for four or five years probably. And, um, yeah, still didn't spark any joy. I tried them on again. I was like, these are just, these are just garbage. I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I didn't like it. That whole that whole five four thing, I only did it for um, two three months, and I, I honestly don't think I got a single item out of it, so it was a huge waste and um, really disappointing. I do understand now that there are other clubs, other um, things that do this, and the premise is that you can send things back you don't like, mm. and there's no penalty. The five uh, four club they made it really difficult to unsubscribe as well. It was one of those schemes. It, it felt real bad actually. Wasn't very happy about it. Not a sponsor, if anybody's wondering. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Not our sponsor. <laughs> it won't be our sponsor. Yeah. <laughs> Never will be. <laughs> uh, yeah, after how I talked about it, yikes. <laughs> yeah. So it didn't really work out. And those were like items that I we, we ended up putting in the donation pile because they, they aren't really, like I guess they're high quality clothes, but they just... Uh, they're Not weird. Like style. one of them, it's like a pocket. It's a pocketed T-shirt. Like it, it's a T-shirt with like a pocket on it, as if it were a, a button down. But then the pocket has like different stripes and colors to like really make it pop. And I'm like, this is really loud. <laughs> really, really loud. <laughs> Not your style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's another one where Rachel's like, it looks ripped, and I'm like, no, that's like intentional. It like has a different color. <laughs> like the, there's, it also has a pocket, but it's like a hidden pocket, but it has like a little bit of pop of color behind it. Yeah, mm. I don't know. All right, never was my style didn't spark joy i will say though they did give me this like denim jacket that i have and the denim jacket with like leather accents leather sleeve accents little weird but i did wear it out once like a a night out and i thought i looked pretty sharp it was different it was definitely going out clothing you know you wouldn't wear it anywhere else (laughs) except for like a bar yeah club (laughs) going back a little bit i think a show like tidying up is basically perfect for i think like, I feel like the our culture right now is, like, the perfect time to receive, I think, something like this. Because I feel like people in general have a lot of confusion. There's, like, a lot of angst, especially people, I think, our generation. I think everybody by nature wants to be more organized, wants to be, you know, tidy. There's a certain human sense, human instinct to want to uh, be more organized and a lot of people have difficulty with that. And I, and I, and there's also just a sense of like, people our generation want to be more minimalistic. We want to own fewer things. It's not surprising when you look at some of the shows and there's a trend that the older generations just have way more stuff. And then, and they want stuff. You know what I mean? Like they, they, there's a lot of, there's a lot of like value to having little things around the house, which I think our generation is growing up to, not really place as much joy in that as much as like having fewer things and maybe things that mean more the fewer things that mean more or just in general how technology has changed things to make it more minimalistic we spend more time on the internet on our devices um and i don't know things like that i feel like you know you look at i mean i'm not on instagram but i feel like Sometimes I'll see like pictures that people post on like friends accounts or like whatever on my on Carolina's phone or so and it's just like someone's office maybe this is influenced by you know people who I would be interested in but you know you look at their office mm-hmm. you look at their space their living room and it's so clean it's so minimalistic it's there's not junk everywhere it's like this is the ideal kind of state and so when you have someone like Marie Kondo come by who's like I can give you exactly this 
and here are the processes, and then you add her charisma and her personality and all these things. Of co- it's like, boom, it's a hit. <laughs> you know, like, it was ripe for the yeah. making. It, it's like perfect timing, and it works. I mean, everybody's trying it. That's that's exactly like everybody at work talks about this too. And <laughs> I bet you Goodwill is just like, getting flooded oh my at the goodness moment. goodwill is just <laughs> having a ball right now i mean like i so when we went we had about like we've had lots of bags of stuff we had to already give away and when i when i made my trips to goodwill there were lines i have never seen a line in the donation center <laughs> to drop stuff That's off amazing and there and i've never seen the outside of the donation center just completely stuffed like, there is barely enough space for a car to even drive through because on both sides, it's just completely packed with, like, bags and donations. And I'm like, this is not a coincidence. This has got to be, like, you know, basically Oh yeah, <laughs> Marie Kondo's work. <laughs> um, <laughs> She's just, like, sitting from her high tower being like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. But as far as I think fulfilling our like instinct to be more organized it's true we joke about like opening our dresser and just seeing how organized it is but there is a certain sense like carolina organizes my my drawer i I should be really like i should really do it myself i feel bad but i open it now when i have to like take my clothes out by the way i have I, i have three drawers that have now basically merged into one and when I look, open that one drawer now, and I just see everything neatly, my socks, you know, underwear, shirts, everything is all neatly there. And it's just like, I'm like, ah, you know, there's a certain sense of, I mean, it's like if you ever like got your house, like if you ever cleaned your house or organize a room, and then the next time you go in and you just look at, you, you're still not used to how clean it is. You know what I mean? And, you, mm-hmm. you, and then you just see how sudden of a change it is and for the better and how clean it is and organized. Maybe it's not the same effect for everybody. But for me, I'm definitely like, wow, this is meeting some kind of like primal need that I have for being tidy. It, it does make you happy that way. I've had that moment before for sure. I wonder, have you guys done the boxes in like the kitchen, for instance, with all your knickknacks? So actually, Carolina did this before the show. She got a bunch of these little kind of like boxes from uh, the like little plastic bins from Ikea. It was her way of organizing like the various crap in our pantries and things like that into a bin. And it would just, instead of being like a jumble on the shelves, they were now neatly Mm -hmm. inside of bins. And like even that, like when she did that years ago, right after we moved in the house, I opened the pantry and I look at it and I'm like, this is much more pleasing, not only to look at, but it was practical. I knew exactly if I wanted flour, oh, there's the area where there's the bin that the flour is in. Yeah. Like baking stuff is down here, you know, whatever. Right. So that certainly, it's not just, it's not just a feeling of like, ah, you know, I like that. I like this, but it's, it's, it's also practical. It is, you do save more space. Uh, Rachel's preceptor, she was, we talked about Marie Kondo and she was like, look at my drawers, look what I've done. And we walked over and she had these bamboo boxes in there and everything was like nicely organized and it looked beautiful. And I was just like, mm, I do like this. <laughs> I want this. And Rachel's got all excited. She was going to order bamboo boxes uh, in Am- on Amazon on the way home. But I told her, don't do that yet. Go home, measure everything. Yep. Make sure these boxes will actually fit. Uh, <laughs> and you don't end up with a bunch of boxes that just barely don't fit. Yep. And uh, I don't think she ever did that. So we'll have to, we'll have to follow up. Uh, I also said maybe we should just wait till the new apartment so we can see <laughs> how yeah. the drawers are. I imagine the drawers are probably pretty standard issue. So I'm curious. So guess what the hardest category was uh, for me out of the ones, out of the steps that we t- listed earlier? I feel like it'd probably be the sentimental items, but maybe I'm in error. Books? Well, we haven't really gotten the sentimental items. Um, yeah, actually, comparatively, I think books was actually one of the harder ones. Only because with books, I was having trouble trying to answer the, does this spark joy? You know what I mean? For books, it was more like, I found myself constantly going back to, wait, I haven't read this yet, but I do want to read it. Then like this instinct to want to keep it kicks in immediately. And it's like, wait, 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 wait. But okay, if I haven't read it in all these years, am I really going to read it? What has helped though is actually uh, just me thinking like, well, you know what? Nowadays everything's digital. I'm sure if like I end up wanting to read it, I can just find an ebook later. Now, the one thing though, that was, a, was kind of hitting against that thought was 
not wanting my bookshelf to look empty. Like, there's a certain sense of like, ooh, look at my fully stocked bookshelf. Look at me, scholar, uh, well-read person. <laughs> yes, um, right. I mean, maybe not to that degree, but just like there's something about seeing a nicely stocked bookshelf with books that's kind of like there are literally products you can buy that are just book endings fake books that you can like essentially put on a bookshelf to make it look nice some people do it legitimately too like um, my father-in-law well my my parents-in-law they they got this bookshelf in their like near their kitchen and they put all their cookbooks on there and it looks so nice i think it looks great and it's like wow look at all these cookbooks and they love to cook so It was a little tricky for me to want to throw away some books, not to mention, practically speaking, it was kind of hard to give away some of the books because I had a lot, I kept a lot of textbooks. Um, They're like old editions now, of course, but so nobody like, no like textbook store would buy them back and Goodwill does not take textbooks. So I had all these textbooks that I didn't want to just like throw away in the recycling, you know, like I was like, I'm sure like someone can use these still but i mean i did some googling and there were like you know services where you can ship your books to another place and they'll like send it to i don't know to organizations around the world to you know kids who can use textbooks but i was i don't know there was just like a certain cutoff of effort and time (laughs) and cost you know these things were not free uh to do Right, and it because books are heavy. Yeah, exactly. It would not have been cheap to ship, and there were no like stores in my near vicinity that would do that. You know what I mean? That would take it. Yeah. So I was just like, uh, I had to put them in the recycling, and there were like books I really like. I only kept the books from college that I thought like were were like basically my favorite classes. You know, my favorite subjects and things like that. So it was kind of yeah. like sad to actually throw them away, but at the end of the day, they don't spark joy. That's that's the rule. So books is an interesting one for me. I think I have every single book in my possession on my desk right now, stacked up, all 11 of them. I just counted. You only have 11? I don't read, man. I don't read. And if I do read, I read from the library because there is no, I don't have the interest in uh, having a collection of books because I'm no. never going to read them again. It's one of those things that yeah. I, I don't ever read. I read so little to begin with that reading something again just seems completely crazy to me. Mm-hmm. So I don't I don't buy books. Rachel has some books, and she like I would say it's probably like a ten to one ratio probably in this house of books. Uh, <laughs> um, it's I just have no interest at all. And actually, a lot of these books I haven't read. Feels bad. So I'm I'm real bad at the whole reading thing. I'm curious what what books you got. What are some of the books of the eleven? I married you was a a gift from unfortunately a deceased family friend, which I've read most of. Unfortunately, he actually passed away while I was reading it, and then I couldn't, um, I didn't want to read it at that moment. I haven't gone back to it. Mm. Um, the Cladonian Gambit by uh, Dan Morin, which is actually pretty interesting as a sci-fi novel. Also didn't finish. I was trying to read it on a trip. Didn't finish. Dan Brown's Inferno. Great book. Read all that. And then I can't really see as well, but I know I have the Becoming Steve Jobs book. I have Clockwork Angels, which I have read, and then I have Paddle Your Own Canoe by Rick Offerman, <laughs> and uh, yeah, can't really see them all. They're kind of blocked, and I'm not going to go back there. I feel like with just those few books, it encapsulates so much of who you are very well. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's like the Rush novel, yeah, the Steve Jobs yeah, novel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I feel like even like yeah. the Dan Brown Inferno is kind of like, yep, that would be something. Oh, I love Dan Brown. He's easily my favorite author uh, if I had to choose because mm-hmm. it's the only author I think I've read every book of his. Oh, yeah. His his books are very good. Yeah. They're right. fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not looking for anything scholarly. <laughs> Just looking for an action movie in, in page form. So you didn't keep any textbooks? Uh, actually, that's not true. Uh, I probably do have some textbooks here that definitely need to go because they're not sparking any joy. I actually, I don't know if I've shared this before, but um, my school was giving away books and like old editions, like you were saying, uh, of like, you know, computer engineering things. So I took a few that looked awesome so I could put them on my desk at work so I could seem real like, you know, official. Yeah, 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 yeah. I need to stock the bookshelf. The only book I have, well, I have two books. One is uh, Design Patterns, the classic. And then the other one was a book I got. um, It was like 
someone must have left so they cleaned up their cube and they put all their stuff onto a desk and it was free for all so i nabbed one that mm. was like dot net programming <laughs> so oh I just, wow i was like nice. yeah oh man but anyways um yeah i have two and it's a huge like shelf it's like if you're gonna put if you're going to put books in it you need to like it's it's all or nothing if you put one or two you look like you're an idiot <laughs> you look like you don't ever read like you you know what i mean like uh it looks so barren yeah just not good and so anyways yeah i i feel like i just since i've committed to putting books in there i need to just like stuff the thing I, I shouldn't have there you go. textbooks away. I should have just... T- but they would have been such random books, you know, like I put general chemistry. There's media communications. <laughs> My favorite classes actually, by the way, we're not, we're not necessarily engineering. Oh, yeah. Those books are never fun. All right, man. I think uh, speaking of the home and cleaning it up, you have some home kit shortcomings you want to talk about? Um, I guess, I don't know. If we had a paper cut corner, this would be uh, one of these things. Um, I don't know if uh, people have ever used home kit people who listen to the show. I recently did a an entire overhaul of our lights in our house. I'm trying to really automate things. So I got motion sensors in the bathrooms and the hallways. And the one thing I realized was normally you would think, oh, automation for when a sensor is triggered, right? So, okay, I choose my master bedroom or sorry, master bathroom motion sensor. And I say, when that sensor gets triggered, I will, you know, turn on the lights, turn on these lights, turn on the master bathroom lights, easy. And then there's an option that says turn off after blank, right? So I enable turn off after 10 minutes. All right. So now an average person would think I'm good. I'm done, right? Yippee-ki-yay, nothing to think about anymore. But guess what? If you're in that bathroom moving around for 10 minutes, it will then turn the lights off on you while you're still moving around in that bathroom because it is not an actual occupancy style automation. It is a simple trigger that says, as soon as the light gets initially triggered, I'm going to start a counter from 10 minutes. And it doesn't matter what you do, but that counter is going to run for 10 minutes. And the only way that counter gets reset is if you happen to pause and not move for, I think there's like a minimum threshold of some number of seconds to trigger the sensor to go off, right? And then you move again, which triggers a sensor because it's a state change. It, it, the, the counter only gets reset on a state change. So mm-hmm. it's really annoying because you literally have to like, when, when, it, when it turns off like that, you literally have to stand really still for just a few, for like the number of minimum seconds for it to change state back to off for the sensor and then wave your arms <laughs> and then it turns back on. And it's like freaking annoying. So so then there are all these people online that are like, oh yeah, there's this like hacky way around it, right? So what you do, now this is like, this is crazy. Bear with me here. So what you do is you you set up two automations. One is basically like what we said, which is on the trick on the sensor getting triggered on when motion is detected, turn on the lights, but you set it to like whatever maximum timer allowed. So like set it to 60 minutes, right? One hour to turn off after one hour. Then you set the second automation that says, all right, turn on the lights when motion, no motion is detected. So when no motion is detected, when it switches to no motion, changes the state, then turn on the lights, mm-hmm. but turn it off after 10 minutes, right? So the idea is when you're when you're moving around in the bathroom still, right? The timer, the 60 minute timer is ticking along, right? Mm-hmm. However, you have 60 minutes, so it's not gonna turn off on you. And then if you stay still, right? It will only start the 15 or the, sorry, the 10 minute timer to count down once you've actually stayed still enough where it's triggered the no motion, right? And then the idea is, hmm. Then you start, you know, moving around again, and then it'll trigger the 60-minute timer again. It'll reset the counter back to 60 minutes. So the idea is that you theoretically, the lights should never turn off on you, even if you stayed still or even if you kept moving a lot. Does that make sense? Yeah, and, and they also should turn off at the same way you were expecting. Exactly, which is basically when no one's left, when no one else is in that room anymore, turn it off after 10 minutes, right? That is like fundamentally all i needed right i would i would reckon that you could be even more aggressive with the 10 minutes too and it wouldn't be bad 
Yeah, you probably could. You probably could. I set 10 minutes before because it was turning right. off so frequently. Mm-hmm. You know, like I would have it at three minutes, but then three minutes of me like brushing my teeth, moving around, like it would turn off. So I, then I would increase that time. If you spent three minutes pooping, like you wouldn't move <laughs> enough. And before you know it, the lights would be off. You'd be sad. I think 10 minutes might be safe for, for pooping instances. Exploring. Well, the funny, the ironic thing about poop, the, the, the ironic thing about pooping is, I don't know how you poop, but I'm usually pretty still when I'm on the, when I'm I mean, I, I also, uh, yeah, that's so what I'm saying. It will like, actually who switch. Is it? Who's, who's really moving that much? You can't have that much range of motion. <laughs> well, but that's what I'm saying is then, then I'll move again suddenly, right? Which resets that three minute counter. So like pooping wasn't the problem. The problem was when I'm like brushing my teeth, washing my face, like I'm doing more more activity things where I was never triggering to the no motion state. And thus I was never resetting the counter by going to the motion state. So yeah, it's, it's confusing, but it's annoying. And so here's the thing though. Guess what? The solution I was just Mm -hmm. talked about though. Still doesn't work. It drives me up the wall. I experimented for like half an hour the other day because um, I, I, I was still having weird turnoff issues where like I noticed some weird times when like all of a sudden like I get into the hallway, which which has the same like setup, mm-hmm. right? With a motion sensor. I get I would just get in the hallway or get in the bathroom. I walk in and the lights turn off. I'm like, what the hell? Like, like this is very mm-hmm. strange, right? So then I realized what was happening and this is very easy to find out, discover, was that, so remember the second automation is on detection of motion off, right? When it switches mm-hmm. to an off mm-hmm. state, the motion sensor, it will turn the light on, but keep it on for like whatever amount of time you want, right? Which is really starting the the timer to turn the lights off. And then the idea was once you start moving it again, if it detects motion again, well, it'll just restart it back to the 60 minute timer, right? But guess what? Once the off timer is detected, it sticks so around. So the ten minute timer, once the ten minute timer is detected, yeah, even if you if it detects motion again, it will not reset it back to the sixty minute timer. Isn't that insanely annoying? So basically, you'll have like eight timers going at once, and it's just a race condition of which one finishes first, and it will turn off. Well, maybe maybe it is creating a separate timer for the other automation instead of overriding one. That That's might what be I'm what thinking. It yeah, it's making separate timers yeah that's stupid yeah instead of overriding the same one that could be it um the timers might be tied to automations instead of a specific device like the lights themselves which is i don't know i mean i don't work for apple but i feel like this is a fundamental like how how could they get this wrong it's not that hard to do an occupancy type of like you know light sensor um or sorry occupancy sensor for lights i mean this is like fundamental stuff here so anyways i had to then use the hue Hugh's own app to basically set up these automations. They work flawlessly. So it's just kind of uh, like, I'm like, this is such a huge fail for HomeKit. That is something I've noticed about HomeKit too, is that you have the app for the particular smart device and they have certain settings and features. And then you have the HomeKit features and you can kind of start stepping on each other. And there's like redundancy of feature, but also, yeah, it it is a really weird ecosystem. Well, and I try to keep all the things in HomeKit just so I have all my automations in mm-hmm. one place. But um, I was also, the other problem with home the HomeKit was that I was noticing on a sensor trigger, even just like, you know, normal usage, like like when it triggers, when you walk into a room, you would think the lights should turn on. But HomeKit eventually slowed enough that it was getting really on my nerves where it would trigger. I'd have my phone and I can see the actual, um, I could see everything right on, in the home app. I could see as soon as I walk in, okay, sensor gets triggered, but it takes about sometimes up to like four or five seconds for the lights to trigger Hmm. like four or five seconds. Like I'm like stumble around in the dark, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like this is like, this is, uh, this is so stupid, but eventually it does turn on and I'm just like, what is, and I've tried restarting the home pod. I've tried, I don't know. I, I've just been really like, I've wanted to make it work in HomeKit, but it has just been fighting back. It does not want to work. If you set the automations in Hue, you're saying it's more instantaneous than HomeKit? Oh yeah. Because I think, because it doesn't have to go through my, my home hub at all. It doesn't have to go yeah. through the HomeKit. Um, you know what I mean? Like it's just going to its own hub and then sending the signal back to the lights to turn it on. It's pretty much instantaneous in Hue. If I just do it in through Hue, but then it's limited because my downstairs bathroom has a cassetta switch, Lutron cassetta switch, but it has the Hue motion uh. sensor, and I cannot control a non-Hue device through the Hue app. 
for automation. So that one, I do have to use the HomeKit automation. So it sucks because my guests have like shitty, you know, uh, automations in their bathroom. <laughs> Unfortunately, I've set the timer for that one to turn off like for like 20 minutes. So it's like, all right, even if they're doing something, you know, they should not be in there for more than 20 minutes usually. So it shouldn't turn off wow. on them. Feels bad, man. Anyways, this, <laughs> these are the, well, I know, I know this is, and I feel like it's something that not too many people are yet playing with you know, home automations, obviously in our circle, a lot mm. of people do it, but I feel like the general population has not really caught on to this yet. Maybe a few people with a few lights, but people like what I was trying to do, what I was trying to do, right? Completely overhauling every single light in the house to do this. It's just not as broadly accepted yet. And I feel like in the future, once it has, this kind of stuff will be resolved. You know what I mean? These, these types of issues and problems, um, they'll just get refined. Like even right now, trying to report these problems I was just describing to Apple, I have no actual discussion area in the Apple discussions to post. There is no dedicated home, like home kit or home app area. Yeah. You know, you have ones for all the apps, like, you know, for for, uh, PowerPoint or, you know, whatever the (laughs) Apple equivalent, Mm -hmm. Keynote. You know, you have all these like software versions, like areas that you can add, you know, post questions hardware obviously but there's nothing for home so i was just like it really is not very well supported at this point yeah um it makes me feel like i'm still very much an early adopter oh definitely you know this kind of stuff i mean i recently babysat for june and carolina and um i he gave me access to their home and i I couldn't believe what i was seeing there was so much stuff going on i didn't actually care (laughs) for the automations because I was I was trying to get out before Gabe woke up and it set off the light and I was like no no light <laughs> <laughs> trying to get out of here. That's the other thing. It is tricky with kids. Yeah. 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 And also I'm like fumbling at the door. It's like two degrees outside when the carryout person comes trying to unlock it because I didn't realize I was trying to just push the the thing to see if it would unlock and she's like oh you could just turn it you physically turn it and I'm like oh <laughs> so I'm like. I, I literally have I have a child in one arm with a fractured wrist, <laughs> a phone in the other, <laughs> trying to unlock this thing. And then I look at her and I'm like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> this is not my place. <laughs> you know, since I got that second home pod in the dining room now, you could have you can also just say, Hey Dingus, um oh wait, you have it you, you have it disabled. I tried. You have to do it. Yeah, you have to do it through it works if you have through your watch. It doesn't you work through your watch. phone, because that was what I first but, tried. Yeah. FYI. Yeah. Oh, really? I've never tried my phone, but it works yeah, through my watch. Yeah, I believe that. Locking and unlocking. Oh, get this too. All right. So another quick, quick another HomeKit paper cut. I'll be quick. If when you, I have an automation set up so that when the last person leaves the house, right, you know, uses our phone to detect against the geofence, right? When it detects the last person mm-hmm. has left the house, it basically triggers the leave home scene, which is like turn off all the lights, you know, turn off all the um, switches, whatever. And then I, when I got the August lock, I said, okay, now lock my door, right? Make sure the door is locked. Even if it's locked, just make sure it's locked. And guess what? Now, when I did that, I noticed that um, a pop-up comes up, a notification comes up and says, do you want to like basically um, set the leave home scene? And I was like, what the hell? It didn't do that before. It used to just be automatic. Like I, it didn't need to prompt me. And then I clicked. I was like, because I added a lock in, into the scene uh, to mm-hmm. lock it. And I'm thinking, like, this is stupid. Like, I'm I'm telling it to lock it, first of all, right? I'm not telling it yeah. to unlock it. This is to lock it. Like, why does it need to prompt me for locking it? Maybe it's preventing people from accidentally locking themselves out or, or whatever. So, but I'm just kind of like, this is such a, this is such a silly thing to... It, but it's also like, how would you lock yourself out if you're outside the geofence? Like, where's your phone? Right. Like, I right, don't know what the scenario right. is. Which is usually like a mile away. Yeah, I know. I understand. So, yeah, it, it doesn't yeah. make any sense. It, it's stupid. So so guess what I did to circumvent this? Again, like a little Google searching. Um, there are people who have figured this stuff out. You have to have... I, I, since we took down the Christmas tree, I have an extra smart switch now that's oh, not being it. used. So I use that smart switch as basically a proxy for <laughs> yeah. the lock. I so, knew it. So the automation now, the leave home automation is simply turning, is toggling the switch, right? And then I set up a separate automation that says when the switch gets toggled, then unlock and lock the house, right? <laughs> and that works. 
You just can't tie geofence, apparently, to locking a house. You can tie other triggers for the lock, like a switch changing states. You know what I mean? So I was like, this is the dumbest thing I have to do. But it I works. feel like the home kit team doesn't eat their own dog food. Like, what's going on here? Uh, I'm not surprised. You know? uh, that's, that's quite disappointing. Well, I'm sorry that you're living on the bleeding edge, June. Sounds like there's blood everywhere in your house. Just <laughs> blood pouring. Hey, where is the second home pod? What did you decide? Um, well, so I had it in the living room, but since I have a, uh, the Sonos beam there and it fills the living room pretty well already, it felt like it was redundant. I mostly put it there because I was like, well, a lot of times we're in the living room and we want to like do a, do a, you know, use, use Siri, but, um, <laughs> we're, we're so lazy to raise, raise our wrists <laughs> when it's right there. You got the kid in your hand. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's actually a lot of times what it is. And um, I didn't think the I didn't think it was worth it, the audio. Plus, like, we do use our watch a lot for the Siri. So then I just ended up putting it in the dining room because that was kind of a gap in the audio between the kitchen and the living room. So the dining room now has it. The other day, I actually did the whole pair it as a stereo pair and just to try it out. So I moved the kitchen one into the mm-hmm. dining room as well. Boy, was it nice. Yep. <laughs> I mean, that thing, I was like on like 35% volume and I was already like, wow, I cannot go louder. This is filling the space so well. It's already. so crisp. And um, it's not just volume. It's like, it's like the details. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's crisp. It's uh, perfectly synced up. You know, the left that doesn't the always right. happen, it, by the way. I would say like 5% oh, really? of the time I can tell they're out of sync and then I have to pause and play again. Very oh. rare. That's very rare, and it's very subtle. It's like an echo effect. I can like tell there's like a chorus going on. Ah, uh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, I've only tried it for you know. Yeah, yeah, it's usually fine. Don't get me wrong; it's usually fine. Yeah. Well, do you use your HomePods in stereo often? Uh, I have the kitchen exclusively in stereo pair now. Remember, there's three of them. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that's the whole reason I did it. I thought Dude, you, okay. I tell you, man. So, like, what I've noticed yeah. is it's a little worse in the kitchen proper because now it's just playing the left channel there. But when I sit in the living room on that couch, oh, man. Dude, I was listening to music last night. We had finished <laughs> watching a movie, and I just put on some jams, and I was just sitting there like, oh, this is nice. And I have, like, surround sound literally right there surrounding me, and I don't use it because it doesn't sound as good, even though it sounds good. It's like, I could, like yeah. it's the Christmas and the details, yeah. and it's just really, really tight. It's really nice. Um, great speakers. I don't really regret getting the second one uh, to do the stereo pair. It, it yeah. felt superfluous at the time, and it definitely is, but it's nice. I definitely recommend. It is the uh, the super pro version of the HomePod experience. It's it's nice. Yeah, I mean, having two far exceeds, I think, any any kind of audio setup I've ever had. It's it it was extremely nice. Did you see the patent? There's a patent to put four of them and do surround sound. And I'm just like, oh no. Oh, oh my no. god. <laughs> well, so I that that's actually kind of related to my only one wish that I want the HomePod to like my only comment for it in the comment box is to include like an uh like an arc input so that I can actually use it on my TV speakers. That way I can have say like a stereo setup, two home pods in my living room, instead of my Sonos beam. I mean the beam is great, but it's not as good as two freaking home pod stereos. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if I can have like arc inputs to them. Uh, the Apple TV can connect to them, but it's not automatic. Well and you're introducing with all the wireless, you know, jumps. You're you're just introducing more and more lag. Um, yeah. uh, delays. Audio sync is already like it drives me crazy if I hate it so much. Yeah. Anyways, I, I sometimes when I do the quiet listening through the Roku, I um it, it, it still drives me crazy, even though it's not that bad. But it, it's literally playing the uh, streaming the audio from my phone to my headphones while, you know, making sure that the video on my TV is in sync. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's not an easy problem to solve. That's, like, actually probably pretty challenging. And the fact that they can get it to where it is now is actually quite impressive. But But it's not perfect. I wish they would do some fine tuning, though. Like, that's the thing that drives me nuts about it, is that there's no, none of these TVs or anything allow you to do fine tuning of that, where you can just, like, try dialed in just right. That's the issue I run into with my receiver. And also, another dream of mine has always been to delay video on my TV, such that if I were to listen to, the, like, the live stream of uh, the Ravens games on the radio, which is much better than usually the uh, announcers on TV, that they'd be in sync. But if you do that now, the radio completely spoils the game by, like, a whole play. 
Ah. Yeah. <laughs> Difficult life I lead. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Photography. What's going on? You did something. Yes. All right. I want to get back into using my DSLR more, uh, my actual camera camera. It's it's just one of those things where, like, if I go to the park or go to, a you know, like a birthday party or something like that, I've just been... I don't know if I call it getting lazy, but I just bring my phone. And granted, I got, you know, I got the iPhone XR, which is a fantastic camera and like loving, you know, portrait mode and all these things. And they're fantastic. But the pictures still look here. Here's the thing. I got into photography. This is, this is the best way I can think about how to explain what I'm feeling. Um, the, the reason why I got into photography is not necessarily just for good photographs, but it, it, it's for the process of taking a photo. It's, it's the process of thinking about my composition, of the light, of like manipulating a device to capture light <laughs> in a way that I want to so that the out, so I can get the outcome I want. There's a certain amount of like, non-automation that I want or automation that I don't want. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I want to be a part of the process of generating that final outcome. You know, I don't want to be in the, I want to not just get the means or sorry, I, I want, I don't want to just get to the end. I want to kind of be a part of the journey to get to the end. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like, um, like driving stick, you know, people are like, why do you drive stick? Well, I love, I, well, I don't drive stick anymore, but I used to love drive stick because I wanted to be able to like have the control, get the exact outcome that I want. Not a, not a complete great analogy, but it, it is, there is a part of like, I just love to like work with the camera, learn the settings of the camera, learn how to essentially manipulate light. You know, that's all it comes down to is photography is manipulating yeah. light and like learning the, the intricacies of that, learning how to do it. And then if the end result is great, then great. I, I am successful. And I wanted to get back into more of that instead of just kind of like letting all of software take that, do that for you. And I know, granted, like there are, there are like professional photography you could do with a phone. You know, you can get, you can get lenses and things like that too and professional software, but I don't know. Um, there's just, at the end of the day, you cannot, you cannot like physics still rules, right? You cannot beat physics. Okay, yes. Like I have a massive image sensor on my DSLR that you cannot fit into my phone. No, <laughs> it, you can't change um, how you're capturing light. You can't realistically change lenses on it. Like I know they sell them, but let's be honest, you're not going to do that. I would say the biggest. Well, and even the lenses <laughs> and even those lenses are not going to be this, like the quality, the same right. quality lenses I'll have right. on my camera. I mean, that's, there's no way. I recommend that you download an app like Obscura from friend of the show, Ben McCarthy. That'll give you a lot of ways to tinker and uh, set up and compose your shot. Basically takes the full auto out of it. Like you can still initialize full auto, but most of it's uh, fine control mm. details. And actually he has a big update coming soon. That's a pretty mm. exciting. Um, some nice features. So definitely recommend. Yeah. Really? Okay. Give it a download if you don't already have it. Yeah. There's another aspect of my DSLR too that I like, which is actually just basically the viewfinder. Yes. This is yes, something yes, that yes. like, if my phone is respond, there's always going to be a delay in my phone's um, photography in the, in the video. You know what I mean? Like, especially if there's a lot of motion and my kid's running around, it's a blur on my phone and I'm trying to get a shot and I can't really tell like, it was that a good shot or not? Because the feedback is just terrible. You know what I mean? I'm not actually seeing him moving in real yeah. time. It's going. It's being filtered digitally, right? Whereas on my DSLR, I have this viewfinder, which is completely analog. Mirror, you know, it's, yeah. it's 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 a it's a real. You know what I mean? Like it's real, and I see it, and that's fantastic. I can see the exact light that's actually there. It's not the light isn't changed digitally. That is actually a reason why I haven't like tried going mirrorless yes. yet. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, it, it, I know it's like compact and it's like trendy, but I don't know the the viewfinder. I exclusively use the viewfinder. I there's this live live mode, you know, where I don't like for people that don't want to use the viewfinder. You can turn on the back uh, LCD to like go into live mode, and then basically it's like taking a picture mm. with your phone. But I hate that. I absolutely hate that. I mean, I have an old DSLR, so the the processor on that is just even you know worse, <laughs> eons worse than on my yeah. phone. So, like, trying to render real-time, you know, video on this LCD, it's it would be even worse trying to do that on my camera. Yeah, I've been I've been looking at cameras as well because I mentioned how I wanted to get better into photography this year, and I was curious just to see if I were to invest in a camera this year, which I'm not going to do. But if I were, um, 
what what the options were and i love the idea of mirrorless but once i read that they don't have the viewfinder which makes total sense which i gave it two seconds of thought um i was like oh i can't have that i hate them i and now granted my (laughs) maybe i'm incorrect maybe i need to give it a chance at least because my experience with those digital viewfinders is from like 12 years ago right i know i'm not giving it a fair comparison sure i imagine they're way 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 better now but even that i don't think like you're saying that instantaneous analog viewfinder is invaluable i feel like for composing shots so we'll see i'm a little uh a little far away from actually pulling the trigger on that but man oh man too it's so expensive like getting that sony mirrorless body mm-hmm. you're like looking almost two g's i think yikes and then and then you could go ahead and get micro four thirds those are really cute and awesome too uh but they suffer from the same problem that those like 1500 as well mm-hmm. but it's also incredible like the the size of the um the lenses are way way smaller yeah no it's it's certainly more compact the funny thing is though uh, when people see me with my actual like dslr and granted i have a i have a crop sensor you know frame it's it's like the entry right. level nikon it's not a full frame at all but I have a massive lens on it. You know, I have a massive Sigma art lens on it. And like <laughs> when I'm like at like, uh, man, I was at a baptism where I was taking some photos and the other like the other family that was there also getting a baptism thought I was like some professional photographer and was like, oh, can you please also take a photo for us? You know, and, and like ev- like I got like 10 phones and everybody wanted me to take a picture of, on like each of their phones. And I was like, oh, my goodness. You see all this glass? Um, definitely the glass. feel like there's definitely there's definitely like a pro sense of having this massive like device, which actually gets me into um, what I wanted to talk about originally, which is I uh, spent a little more money. It's nowhere near the cost of like a lens, though, or anything like that. But it is a... Uh, a uh, product from Peak Design, which they they make really good products. I got a backpack from them. I got some photography stuff from them. So they make really good stuff. I ended up getting, because uh, there was a sale on what they call a capture clip. So I have, I have, what, uh, I have their slide uh, camera. Uh, what do you call this thing? It's, a, it's basically a camera like sling, you know? Yeah. Sling you cross your shoulder. And it's very nice. It allows like rapid, you know, you can quickly like sling your camera forward right in front of your face and it allows you to take pictures very well. But that's all nice and good. But (laughs) the sale, this capture clip is a clip that can clip to your belt to if you're wearing a backpack, it can clip to the strap of the backpack. And essentially your, your camera can snap right on this clip. And, and it can like, you can mm. rotate it. It's like, it looks really cool. And, and you unsnap and immediately you can take a photo of it. And here's the kicker though. I actually don't want to use the snap thing more than trying to use it for my, uh, for my camera. I want to use it for my lenses. They have this lens adapter, which snaps onto the capture clip and you can attach up to two lenses Ooh. to this uh, attacher thing. So I don't have to now, like, you know, if my camera, for example, was on the sling and I had this thing on a clip on my belt or something or on my backpack, right, my lens is just right there, I can swap my lenses now super fast. So, like, going from a prime to telephoto would just be like, boom. Because now I have to, like, I got to take off my camera. Um, I have to then, like, take off my backpack, go fish out the lens for my backpack, do this, like, juggling. If I'm, like, in the woods or something, you know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm like, I don't want to put my camera on the mud, you know, yeah. or the dirt, you know? So I'm, like, trying to be extremely careful, finagling, like, these very expensive devices. <laughs> but now, like, everything is in, in a clip or it's in a sling and it's all there. I don't have to open in my backpack and all to do it so like switching lenses will be much faster i'm like oh this is ideal i, I don't know i was looking at some of their like videos on like people using it and i'm like this looks perfect i mean it was i couldn't resist 